Well, happy 4th of July. We're blessed to be living in a country that was founded on biblical principles. Now, America never has been, nor will it ever be a perfect country, and yet it's my opinion that there's never been a country founded on godly principles like America since the biblical nation of Israel. And so to begin this morning, let's watch a short video called This is America. So we need God's help to continue to be one nation under God. I believe that our nation is in grave danger of losing a God-fearing majority. And in a democracy, the majority determines the government of the people. And so the principles of religious freedom and freedom of speech are eroding at an accelerating pace. Our courts are making judgments contrary to God's word. The founding fathers never envisioned a time when the majority of Americans would not abide by Christian principles. John Adams warned in 1798, he said, We have no government armed with power, capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And so our country needs to have a revival of God-fearing people. And so what are we as believers to do in our current situation in America? Well, today our message is entitled Prayers of Commitment, and I believe that commitment is a key to how we should respond in our time and in our day. The Bible speaks of commitments or covenants of people with God and with one another. For example, the marriage covenant is a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman under or before God. Unfortunately, both the definition of marriage and the lifelong commitment of marriage are no longer adhered to by many. We see across America an increasing lack of commitment to God, to family, to church, and even to our nation and its founding principles. In the Bible, we see God establishing covenants down through history. God established a covenant with Adam, and then with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, 
and David. These covenants all pointed forward to a new covenant that would be established and has been established by Jesus Christ. Now today we're going to continue in our series, Praying the Psalms, and we're going to learn about the blessing that comes through prayers of commitment to God and to one another. Of course, the reverse of of that is when commitments or covenants are broken. Then God's judgment falls on those who break those commitments. This applies to those who break their commitments to God, to family, their church, or the biblical principles that America was founded upon. And we're going to see that keeping commitments ourselves is, is not enough. We must influence others to make and keep godly commitments in order for our nation to be blessed. The first commitment that we're going to look at today is to serve God only. We're going to begin in Psalm 81, verse 8. It says, Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. Now in this section of Psalm 81, God is speaking to His people. He's calling on them to listen to Him because what He's going to say is very, very important. The Lord is calling His people to make a commitment to Him to serve God only. He continues in verse 9 and says, There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. And so God calls the idols that people are tempted to be worshipped. He calls them strange gods or foreign gods. It's not appropriate to try to worship the Lord and idols at the same time. You must worship God and serve Him alone. And serve Him only. Now this is another way of stating the first commandment of the Ten Commandments. To have no other gods before the Lord. The Lord is calling on His people to remember that commitment, the covenant they made to Him at that time. Now Psalm 81 is in, the, it is in book 3 of the Psalms. It was written when Israel was in exile. And so now God gives reasons for their defeat and captivity in verse 11 and 12. He says, but my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. And so the people of Israel did not keep their commitment to God to serve God only. Now usually they sought to worship the Lord and idols at the same time. And that was like having a wife and a mistress at the same time. That is not being faithful to your wife, nor is worshiping idols being faithful to God. And since people's hearts were stubborn, God let them follow their own ways rather than His. And that led to disaster for the people of Israel. It led to them being take, defeated, taken into captivity, and into exile in a foreign land. The psalm closes with the Lord encouraging His people once again in verse 13. He says, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. So in the Bible, when it speaks of listening to God, it, it doesn't mean just hearing with our ears, understanding what He is saying. To listen to the Lord is the same as obeying Him. When we listen to God, when we really hear what He's saying, we must obey. We must carry out what He tells us to do. We must obey His instructions. We must walk 
in his ways. And the promise promises in these verses we just read is that if the people of God would listen to him, if the people of God would serve him only, then then blessings would follow. The blessings mentioned in verse 18 or verse 14, which were the subduing of their enemies and deliverance from their foes, was the exact opposite of what had happened to them as they went into exile. Now, in the final verses of this psalm, which I'd encourage you to read in its entirety this week, further blessings of obedience were, were given. That God would feed his people. That God would satisfy them with good things. And so God calls his people to make a commitment to serve him only. Now, how does God command, how does the command of the Lord to worship him only apply to us today. Now, in case you're wondering, idols is not just a thing of the past. To have an idol does not mean you have to have a carved wooden or metal image that you bow down to. Every culture has idols. Every culture has false gods that people are tempted to worship, as does America today. There are idols too numerous to mention in America. Idols of pride, of greed, of money, of pleasure, of drugs, of sex, of knowledge, of prestige, and the list could go on and on. Any particular sin can become an idol that we worship and bow down to. And so the commitment that God calls us to as believers is not just to serve and worship Him on Sundays. We are to serve and worship Him every day. We are to serve and worship Him every hour of the week. Everything that we do, whether in work or play, should be done for Him and with his guidance. Every resource that God has given us, whether our abilities, our time, or our money, they are, they are his, not ours. Although God does instruct us to give a minimum of a tithe or 10% of our income to our local church family, the rest of our resources are not ours to spend as we please. We are to use everything that God has given to us and everything we have God has given to us, we are to use it as God directs. And that is what it means to serve God only. Now finally, this commitment to serve God alone is, is not just made and carried out as individuals. This commitment to serve God alone can only be carried out as part of God's covenant family in a local church, just as in the Old Testament was, was carried out in the midst of the people of God, the people of Israel. Our commitment to serve God only is done with the encouragement of other believers in the church family. And so not only are we to make a commitment to serve God only, we are to make a commitment to celebrate God's faithfulness. We're going to turn to Psalm 89 now, beginning in verse 1. It says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. And so the main topic of Psalm 89 is to celebrate God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. And these two, steadfast love and faithfulness, are closely related. And what are we doing when we celebrate God's faithfulness? Well, as we spoke on last Sunday, that's praising him. To celebrate an aspect of God's character is to praise him. But today we're focused on God's instruction to make a commitment to continually celebrate his faithfulness to his people. Verse 3 goes on, it says, You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. 
I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. So in these verses, the psalmist is referring to a covenant that the Lord had made with David. The covenant promise was that the offspring of David would rule forever. And this promise pointed forward to, it referred to the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was a descendant of David, and he indeed does rule forever. Now we're going to be talking more about the Messianic Psalms in a future message. And as we study our Bibles, we see that each of the Old Testament covenants were fulfilled in the new covenant of Jesus Christ. And despite the unfaithfulness of the people of Israel, God kept his promises. So we can and should make a continual commitment to celebrating God's faithfulness. Verse 8 says, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? And so this verse is, is a rhetorical question. Who is as mighty and as faithful as the Lord? And the answer is no one. No person, no God, no angel, no demon is as mighty and faithful as the Lord. He is the Lord of uncountable myriads of angels. He is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies, which enforce his rule and reign with absolute justice. And for that, we celebrate his faithfulness. The psalm ends in verse 15 and says, Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exalt in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted. And so when we make a commitment to celebrate God's faithfulness, what are God's promises to us? Well, those who make this commitment, it says in verse 15, are blessed. To be blessed is to be given the power for success in following God's plan. And what do people who make this commitment do? They, they know how to and are not ashamed to to shout praises to the Lord, to give Him praise in every situation, whether things are going good or not so good. They walk in the light of God's face. It means they are following Him closely. They do not stumble in the darkness. And finally, they exalt or rejoice in God's name. And God's name represents everything that He is. How often do they rejoice? All the day, continually. And finally, this verse closes with another blessing. Those who make this commitment to celebrate God's faithfulness are exalted or lifted up in the very righteousness of God. Now, I believe that this Psalm, Psalm 89, is, is talking about building a, a personal relationship with a faithful God. Building a relationship in response to His steadfast love for us. When we begin to understand the depth of God's covenant love for us, we will seek earnestly to love Him back. We love because He first loved us. We'll desire to know Him better, to please and praise Him with every aspect of our lives. We will not go for days without thinking of Him or, or praying to Him. Every day, we will look to walk in the light of His face through prayer, communicating with God, talking to Him, and reading His Word. God's Word is God's love letter to us. Every day we will want to make God happy. 
And those who make and are growing in this commitment of celebrating God's faithfulness will be blessed and will be exalted to be ever closer to God. And finally, the last commitment we want to talk about today is to teach truth to the next generation. We're going to turn to Psalm 78, beginning in verse 2. It says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. And so I believe that the commitment we are to make from Psalm 78 is absolutely critical in the generation that we are living in, to teach God's truth to the next generation. This psalm begins with the psalmist saying that what he is about to say are things that have come down from the fathers. The fathers are the forefathers in the faith. Men like Adam, like Noah, like Abraham, Moses, and David. True faith is handed down from one generation to the next. Verse 4 goes on to say, We will not hide them, the things our fathers have taught us, from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. And so this psalmist is making a commitment to not letting his faith die with his generation. He's making a commitment to tell his children the coming generation. And what are the components of faith that should be passed on? The first thing is the wonderful things that God has done in the past and his unsurpassed attributes of power, of knowledge, and love. A parent's responsibility is not to hide their faith from their children. Say, kids, try to figure it out on your own. A parent's responsibility, especially of the father, is to boldly tell of the things of God, of their experience with God. Verse 5 says, He, that is God, has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded for fathers to teach to their children. And so this instruction to teach God's truth to the, new, to the next generation is not a new idea. God is the one who revealed himself to Israel and gave them his word. And part of God's instructions in the law of Moses was for fathers to always teach their children God's ways. Now why is this so important? Well, verse 6 says that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. And so faith must be taught to each and every generation. And God places the main responsibility for that on the parents. Verse 6 makes the chain clear. Children passing down their faith to their children, which are the parents' grandchildren. Now, of course, each child has a responsibility to accept and believe the true gospel that his parents have taught them. Faith is not automatically passed down through generations. But when parents make a commitment to doing their very best to teach God's truth to the next generation, God will give them success. And what will be the effect on the next generation? Well, verse 7 says, So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And so we see a threefold impact on the children when the parents teach God's truth to them. First of all, they're going to set their hope on God. Everybody sets their hope on, on something. If you put your hope in anything other than God, it's an idol. And so our hope in this life and the next 
must only be in God. And as parents teach their children about the works of God, both from the Bible and down through history and in their own lives, the children will not forget all the wonderful things that God has done. And as the children learn to love Jesus, they will follow and keep the commands of God's word. And that truth will be passed down to the next generation. And so these verses in Psalm 78 make very clear our responsibility to pass our faith down to our children. But I want to suggest this morning that our, our responsibility to pass our faith down to the next generation is much broader than to only our children. We have a responsibility to do everything that we can so that the world our children will live in will have the freedoms that our forefathers fought for and died for here in America. We must make a commitment that our children would live in a nation where religious freedom and freedom of speech to speak God's word is honored and not prosecuted as some kind of hate speech. We, I believe, are at a crossroads in our nation and God is trying to wake us up. Elections are no longer simply a choice between which party you prefer, like flavors of ice cream. No, elections now are a choice between good and evil, between light and darkness, between being governed by godly principles or the demonic. Demonic powers are seeking to be unleashed in our country and the only thing that can stop them is for the church of God to make a commitment to teach God's truth to this entire generation. Both to our children and to others' children who have never heard the truth of God, who have never heard the truth of the gospel. And so let's make a commitment to teach God's truth to the coming generation. And so today we've talked about three prayers of commitment that God is challenging us to make. Now, these are not one-time commitments, but commitments to be lived out every day of our lives. The first commitment is to serve God only. Now, although this one really seems simple, it's, it's really the most difficult because all of us have blind spots concerning the idols that tempt us. This commitment to serve God only is done as part of God's family in our local church, right here in Life Church. We're not called to wander from church to church, but to be planted and to grow in the church that God has led us to. The second commitment is to celebrate God's faithfulness. We seek to praise Him for His faithful love towards us. We strive to grow in our love for Him. We strive to build our relationship with God as we obey Him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. And finally, the last commitment to teach God's truth is to teach God's truth to the next generation. Our first responsibility is to our own children. But our commitment is also to our city, our state, and the nation that God has planted us in. We are to fight for the biblical freedoms won by our forefathers so that our children can continue to live in a land of religious freedom. And as we make, or as we take on these commitments, as we take on these challenges, God promises to bring blessing and success into our lives. Now this morning, I want to give everyone who's listening to this message an opportunity to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to become a child of God. 
to receive the gift of eternal life, to begin to build a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And to do that, you need to do three things. First of all, A, you need to admit. Admit that you've sinned. Repent and turn away from that sin. Secondly, you need to believe that Jesus died on the cross and took the penalty for your sins upon himself that you might be forgiven. Ask him to forgive you and invite him into your life. And finally, see you need to commit yourself to following Jesus. He's risen from the grave. He's alive today to following him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray. And uh, whether wherever you're watching this online, I'd encourage you to bow your head and to pray with me as well. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I repent. I turn away from those sins. And I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe He died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. I ask You to forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you, Jesus. I believe you're alive today. You've risen from the dead. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior and doing everything that you tell me to do. Thank you for changing my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for these psalms that challenge us to increase our commitment to you. Forgive us, God, for not giving you every part of our lives. Today, we are making a commitment to serving you only. We're making a commitment to ridding our lives of idols. We also make a commitment to grow in celebrating your faithfulness and love for us each and every day. And lastly, we make a commitment to teaching your truth, God's truth, to the next generation. Open up the hearts of our children and grandchildren to be receptive to your word. Help us in a nation that is battling demonic forces that many are completely unaware of. Give us the courage and wisdom to speak up for the truth, even though it may not be popular or even legal. May your spirit bring revival to this land and give us leaders that lead according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment or recommitment of your life today watching this message, Online, I'd encourage you to contact our church, Life Church St. Louis in Chesterfield. Uh, there's ways to contact us on our Facebook page, on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org, a number of places, and we'll pray for you. And if you would like, we'll send you some materials that will help you in your walk with God. Our services at Life Church are every Sunday morning. We are uh, meeting live. At 10 a.m., you're invited to come to our facility, 15036 Clayton Road in Chesterfield. If you can make it, if not, we'd invite you to, to continue to watch us online. Uh, we're available on our website, on Life, uh, YouTube, and Facebook. And so God bless. Have a great week.